2: and welcome to another episode of the dtf podcast hey i got a bone to pick (laughs) guys i am so fired up sleep deprived and all i'm happy
3: to be
1: here (laughs) you probably cut off your hot dog you don't need it on a pun
2: (laughs) (laughs) hello and welcome to the very first dtf podcast episode of the calendar year 2024 it is 3 11 p.m on Tuesday January 2nd my name is Rob Doster I got John Fanta with me I got Terrence Oglesby with me this is the Doster T.O. and Fanta podcast and gentlemen I am fired up to be talking to you guys again I feel like it's been forever since we were able to jump on a podcast and knock out a recording the way that the schedule worked we always record on Mondays right Christmas was a Monday New Year's Day was a Monday and I knew that the big homie John Fanta would be indisposed on Christmas morning and on new year's day so uh we decided to put it off for recording here on a tuesday for you gentlemen before we dive into the show how was your holidays man fanta how was it first christmas and first new year's as a married man yep
1: terrific terrific great to see you guys happy new year everybody happy 2024 love to see everybody love to to do this with you guys every single week and uh christmas was fantastic we started in new jersey we had platters of antipast, which for those not in New Jersey who are down south or out west and don't know what I'm talking about, it's meats, it's cheeses, it's every form of meat and cheese that you could ever want or desire. It looked like we were straight out of Italy. And then we had uh, manicot and brujol and meatballs and pasta, and I'm stuffed. I'm stuffed. It's time for resolutions. Uh, We got to Ohio. We did a Cleveland Christmas. We did not have as much Italian food in Cleveland. Uh, We had other food, and we watched my Browns clinch a playoff spot. So I'm a happy camper heading into 2024. I got a playoff football team. I did look at the After Dark grid, and I'm very publicly saying on this podcast that I'm supposed to host on Saturday, January 13th, and if the Browns are playing the Saturday Night wildcard game, I might have a heart attack before the show begins. So (laughs) this is going to be a very, very stressful month. Go Browns.
2: Hey, look, it's better to be stressed in the playoffs than it is to be stressed sitting at home. What do you think Chris Mack is going to be doing in the playoffs this year? Yeah. Where's Chris Mack going to be?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let
2: him know, Fanta. Let him know.
1: Sean Miller texted me this morning, uh, graphics of like the last 20 years, AFC North champions, and the Browns are not in the graphic. And Sean said to me, uh, I thought the AFC North had four teams. (laughs) <laughs> and i said you know yeah and you know and you'll be sitting at home uh with yours i said there's always room on the flacco wagon. and he said you couldn't pay me to hop on that wagon so you know for the, know, it's hey, all for the people it's listening fine. at
2: home for the people listening at home the uh the funniest part about being part of the field of 68 is getting stuck in the group text between the miller brothers chris mack and john Fanta. they sit here and they argue about uh afc north football it is uh it, it's a train wreck tio you still surviving over there man i know that you were in the same boat as me but you got two kids at home for yeah. uh, upwards of a week and a half during christmas break it's not a vacation people say christmas vacation is not a vacation is it mo- I've never looked forward more to getting back to work than i did than i did this year
3: yeah the the uh the kids are about to go back to school they start on thursday uh and i think to be honest with you i think they're more tired of me uh, because <laughs> they don't get this much of me For like a long time. So I I think uh, this January for for me is nuts, by the way. I didn't realize how many games that I have until because the Hornets stuff, man, it piles up. I end up having 13 games in the last 24 days of this month. So I'm excited to like really get going and, and be a part of the whole thing. Uh, My son, Damon, is still messing around with me right now. He can't leave me alone for 45 minutes to an hour when we do this podcast. That's where we're at at this point. It all has to do with freaking Fortnite. I wish Fortnite could go dig a hole somewhere and never show up again. And he's yelling in the background because he hears me. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. That's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at. Time for school. It's time for school. No, it's not. It's time for school. Outside no, not- of that, oh, hey look christmas was great uh i, I say all this and i'm kind of joking but but kid uh christmas was great and uh he's, i really heard some feelings back here christmas is great uh had my brother in town came in from norway he brought his girlfriend and and uh some children down that was awesome and then some children yeah are they children?
1: his children or-
3: just some <laughs> children they're just some children. He just brought some children. They're not his children. They're his they're his girlfriend's children. So okay. she. he decided okay. to bring them.
2: I'm glad you clarified that because I was about to be really concerned for a second. No,
3: not, not that kind of situation going around, going around here. Not that kind of situation. Uh, no, he came and then my best friend from high school came for New Year's. So it's been good. I have eaten like an absolute uh, pig and I don't feel good about myself. That's that's how much food I've eaten and it, it's been a it's been a great two weeks but I'm ready to get back to some normalcy. Truth be told.
2: Yes. all right. well, let's talk about normalcy. let's talk about college basketball. Let's dive into it head first. Uh, There's a lot of things we got to get to. We're going to talk about some of the best bid majors in college basketball. We are going to uh, discuss how FAU and Arizona both went from playing the game of the year and all of us saying, wow, you know, these teams could actually win national titles to FAU losing to Dunk City and uh, Arizona getting absolutely mollywopped on the road at Stanford. Uh, I want to ask you guys if you think Gonzaga is actually going to be a tournament team. And we got to talk a little bit about some of the Big East rivalries that are popping up. Fanta, it's about to get really interesting in the Big East in the Battle of uh, New York City there. But first and foremost, I want to ask you guys this. Just big mm-hmm. picture, um, 35,000 feet. up. we're going to go to you first. What is the, the most interesting storyline for you uh, as we head into the calendar year, 2024, as we head into conference play, as we head into the meat of the college basketball season?
1: Well, I, I think the most interesting storyline for me is the top tier of the country and how that evolves. So, if you if you look at where we are at the top of the country, you know every week the rankings come out, and lately the the latest narrative is who is Houston beating. So, a storyline I'm paying attention to is what's Houston going to face in the Big Twelve. Obviously, it's a significant level up. They're undefeated, fellas. Will they be able to roll through? Will it be tougher on the Big Twelve? to adjust to what Houston does or will it be tougher for Houston to adjust to what the big 12 brings? I tend to think it's the former, you know, I think they're going to be able to, to, to show and impose their will on the rest of that conference. And I think LJ Crier and, and Jamal shed have it going. I think it just comes down to like, for me, uh, you, you know, the blue bloods are right there. How do they play out? So I think Kentucky is as compelling a storyline as any in the sport. Do they keep this rolling and and do they back up the fact in the new year that they're number six in the country? And then therefore, how does that SEC race relate? But you look at it, guys. Last year, we had Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, and UConn, okay? And, And even this time of year, we wouldn't have been able to predict that collection of teams. This year, We've got teams at the top in Purdue, Kansas, Houston, who hasn't lost, Connecticut's going through injuries, but we know what they are at their best, Tennessee, battle-tested Kentucky. And I, and I think it, it comes down to, for me, I'm, I'm looking at what the big brand programs take with them into this new year. Kentucky's really, really freaking good. North Carolina looks like they're that good. I'd like to see them clean some things up defensively. I'd like to see that supporting cast continue to sculpt itself. Duke appears to be growing, with Jared McCain evolving. Kansas, we know what they are. So the Blue Bloods in college basketball are strong. Will it continue for all of them as they get into the grind of their conference? How does Kentucky, T.O., handle life on the road in the Southeastern Conference?
3: Yeah. I think that's, those are all great points. I, I You talked about the Big 12 a little bit in Houston. I, I'm equally intrigued by what BYU does because I think they're getting the Kim Pom favor by getting bumped a couple of points because they are in the Big 12 conference. I'm curious to see how that carries over. And uh, I, more than anything, I know Mark Pope can coach. I think Jackson is a good player. I, how does BYU deal in the Big 12 uh, on a night-to-night basis? I'm really intrigued to see how that goes. Uh, outside of that... I, uh, guys, I'm still on this Chris Beard bandwagon in Ole Miss. It's it's, I think it's a year of the other teams. Sometimes when we look at some of the really good teams and some of the power conferences, some of the other teams, Clemson in the ACC. I think Ole Miss is good. Can it be one of those things where it's not one of these popular uh, blue blood uh, over the last ten traditional like over the last ten years traditional like powers? Can there be somebody else emerge? uh in towards the top of the league that's more so than anything kind of what i'm concerned about and i talked to our man uh matt the other day oregon state decided they were just going to win one at home over usc and they're eight and three going into it like is wayne tinkle on a re-emergence program is it the year of the other or is it the year of are we getting the blue buds back kind of deal
2: I think it's the year of we're getting the blue bloods back and I'm glad uh, about that. I'm happy I, about that. I, yeah, I think well that's very good for uh for the brand, shall we say. Yeah. Um but I also think that you mentioned USC. I figured that had a lot more to do with USC deciding, yeah, you know what? I think we're probably good with this season. I, th- I think we could probably head on to the NBA now as opposed yep. to anything for Oregon state. Yes. Um, I do. I, I did appreciate this is kind of off topic, but I did appreciate how uh, when you scrolled the headlines after that USC Oregon state game, it was like, Bronny goes for his career high. And then you click on the link on like ESPN.com or CBS sports.com. And it was like, Bronny scored this many points and USC lost 87 to 60 to one of the worst teams in the power. Conference rakes. Uh We know we know what pays the bills here. It is Brody James. Oh, USC is um,
3: one of the worst teams in the Power Conference.
2: No, Oregon State is six and
3: seven, zero oh and two. Hey, yeah. Oregon State's nine and four. Hey, Oregon look. State's
2: nine and four, five hundred in league. That's all shout I'm out, saying. Shout out Wayne Tinkle. He can coach. Hey. Wayne Tinkle <laughs> can coach. Um, I, I think yeah. the most interesting storyline for me, and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, Fana, um, is. I think that it's better for college basketball point, point blank period when the programs that are the most interesting with the biggest fan bases and the most national appeal are all really good. Yeah. And I think if you look at the teams that are really good this year, Purdue is probably to me, the most fascinating storyline of the sport simply because they got Zach Eadie back-to-back national player of the year uh, lost to a 16th seed, might have a chance to win the title. I got to take on them here in a minute that I do want to get into. Um, You look at UConn, they're really good again. Uh, You look at Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina after a couple of years where those programs were not uh, at the top of the sport. They are all back there in one way or another at varying levels, depending on who you ask. Kansas is awesome again. Um, And then you get to to some of these other programs that have passionate fan bases that maybe aren't necessarily the biggest when it comes to college hoops, like a San Diego State, like a, a Michigan State. Um, like in Illinois, like a Marquette, like these programs are back and 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 relevant and good and fun. And I just, I think it's one of those years where there are a lot of really, really good teams and they can all lose on any given night. So it's uh, it's going to be a year where we have a lot of hot takes that we have to get into on the field of 68 after dark. And, and I think that's the most interesting thing for me. Here's another one I got for you. And uh, I, I just, I think we are built to have multiple mid-major runs in college basketball this oh, season. Oh yeah. Right? And and Fanna, we're going to kind of get into this a little bit because it's something you as soon as McNeese State went into Michigan and and beat Michigan and beat Juan Howard, Fanta sent a text to our DTF group tech uh group chat. Basically said and it was all caps with like 17 exclamation points. We have to talk about will Wayne and McNeese State on the next podcast. So, uh I guess I'll turn this to you Fanna. Um <laughs> where do they stand in terms of cuz I think there's a very real chance that, they could, that McNeese State could head into the NCAA tournament with two losses to their name. They got nothing but Southland games left. Uh, they are so much better than anybody else in the Southland, and they play the Southland tournament on their own court. They might fuck around and be undefeated in 2024 heading into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Will Wade, uh, he finds a way to get it done. Um, are they the most likely mid-major for you to be able to be a Cinderella? I got a list of about five that I think have a very real chance to make a run, but where do they stand uh, for wow. you?
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.
2: I know it's early, but it's never too early to fire off A hot take and this is where i have to mention vaulted vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee that is v l t e d vaulted the thing you're gonna like about it it's got a challenge feature so you can prove that you are smarter than your friends download the app store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools today here is my challenge mac Here is my prediction. Clemson's going to win the ACC this year. Clemson's the best team in the ACC, and they are going to take home an ACC regular season title when things are all said and done. Is that crazy? No, that's not crazy at all. Not not one bit. In fact, I don't want to say they're the favorite, but I think if you were a betting man based on who they've played and how they've played, Uh,
0: I don't think it's crazy. When those students get back from Christmas break and the ACC starts really getting rolling,
2: it's going to be hard to win at Clemson. And those guys are built to to win on the road. I love Brad's teams in terms of their toughness in the half court defensively. Um, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think Clemson's a quality team.
1: Well, they're certainly up there in terms of, are they most likely? I mean, if I had put a group of three to five together, they'd have to be in there. And the reason being is, The fact that they could show up to Michigan and Shahada Wells has that.
2: Shahada (laughs) Wells. What a great name, by the way. He's a great name. to do that. (laughs) Great
1: name. Uh, Terrific player, averaging over 19 points per game. And, you know, he hasn't even shot the basketball on the level he's capable of. DJ Richards Jr., guys, is having a terrific season. I mean, he's shooting 48% three. And he was a Southland player of the week, uh, the week previous to Christmas. What's my point? You have serious stud power. Like you you've got guys that can go out and have that type of game. And in the NCAA tournament, you need to have that. You a lot of times the teams coming in, you know, you watch the open in March, right? I'm simplifying things here. And they say, This guy can do it all. He is that, you know, he he coming up in the 512. And it's like sometimes that guy gets you a win. It's the teams that have two or three of those fellas. That can make a couple of of wins happen. If I were to package together mid major programs that could make a run, I'd put Grand Canyon in there. Oh yes, I would put Princeton in there. Princeton has the one defeat to St. Joe's. I mean, guys, St. Joe's is good. I put them in there. If they could ever win the Atlantic Ten tournament, uh, by the way, Dave. Dayton- so I,
2: I, I'm the only thing I would push back on is I refuse to call a ten and Mountain West schools mid majors. They're just never going to be mid-majors to me.
1: Well, I, I understand that. Um, however, I think it's – we have an Atlantic 10 podcast, so.
2: No, I, say what you got to say. Make your point. You can make your point.
1: I just – if I was the Atlantic 10, I I think they've got to find a way to circle back as a group and say, how do we – what do we need to do in order to get back to being a four-bid league? Yeah. Or let's just start a three-bid league. I think scheduling has got to be a little bit stronger there. And and it, it comes off to me right now that they're not preserving their best. And when you're a league like that, like the Mountain West has done a great job of scheduling and managing through MTEs so that they can be in and win. Yep. And they're, they're no longer a doormat. The Mountain West is in the room. And they have a chair in the room. And we're going to get to them in a second. But, man, guys, I mean, Grand Canyon's there. Uh, obviously, McNeese is there. Princeton is there. And I'm, I, I was on the New Mexico bandwagon to begin with. I'm not off of it. They got guards. They got dudes who can't score. But the Mountain West is loaded with them, even though it's not a mid major league. It's it's beyond that. It's beyond that now. But those are some of the teams that when I look at college basketball, I sit here and say, yeah, they could do something. The other one, don't sleep on if they could win the CAA, look out for UNC Wilmington. Because yeah, if, they, if they can win the CAA, make the tournament, they could be a real dangerous team.
2: Tio, as our official SoCon correspondent here, I got one for you. No one, uh, no one, no one has been talking about this team enough. Western Carolina, Justin Altarious Gray, Woolbury. wow. If you guys have not seen Vontarius Ter- Von Wolbright play, and if you would not looked him up, and I'm sure there are a lot of people here who haven't, he's averaging 21 points, 13 boards, and six assists this season. He is quite literally, T.O., the most productive player in college basketball point-blank period, and they happen to be coached by the greatest three-point shooter in the history of Wake Forest University's basketball program. That's Justin Gray. Not Randolph Childress. It's Justin Gray. That's confirmed. They confirmed it with him. Go ahead, T.O.
3: Yeah, no. Justin Gray has done a phenomenal job. I I, I didn't know what to think about the Justin Gray uh, tenure there after seeing the first year, but what he kept doing was stockpiling talent. And let's be honest, you you get in the NCAA <laughs> it's tournament, nice to have you, that. <laughs> yeah, you you get you get in the NCAA tournament. You've got guys that can compete and find ways to score, and you have enough length and the ability to do that. It's possible. Uh, one more team in that league, uh, Samford. Uh, mm-hmm. Bucky McMillan, Bucky Ball, fastest, baby. Yeah, Bucky Ball, fifth fastest team in the country. <laughs> they've got guys. They always get a couple of guys. Uh, so those two in that league this year, uh, I, I was starting to become high on UNC Greensboro there a little bit. They beat Arkansas, they had some pretty good wins, and then they've lost three out of their last four, including a 37 point outing at Texas. I'm not expecting you to beat Texas, but you guys score more than 37. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was at with them, but Samford and, uh, Samford and uh, Western Carolina. That's how it,
2: close is Furman to that conversation right now for you?
3: Not, they're not close right now. Uh, and it's nothing against Bob; still coaching his butt off. It's just a matter of you know, JP Peggy sat out last game with an ankle injury. Marcus Foster, who was their best player until he uh, had a knee knee situation when they played Princeton. Um, they, they're still very much in the running to win the league when it comes to uh, if they're all healthy come tournament time. But I, right now, I would I would doubt just because Jalen Slawson and Mike Rothwell were a lot to replace, a yeah. lot to replace. And they're having a hard time finding consistency outside of Foster and Pagise.
2: Yeah. One more. I'll give you, sorry you go one more. Okay. Go
3: first.
1: Sorry to add one more. Just the winner of the Mid American is always dangerous, but you got a couple of, of top 100 ish teams just outside in Kent State and in Akron. Uh, yep. and, and you can't count out Jeff Bowles in Ohio, even though they fell just short this past weekend. But I, that league, the Cleveland in me says that action is real. It that that conference tournament's always tough. Whoever ends up winning the MAC, uh, you know, Jalen. Good
2: coaches in that league too, man. Oh so my they have gosh. good coaches in that league. Yeah,
1: Chris Payton Jr., Jalen Sullinger, and and Ken State. That's a team I'm I'm looking at. But yeah, I mean, you got John Gross, you got Jeff Bowles, you've got Rob Senderoff. Uh, it's that's a quality mid-major league.
2: Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, two more. I just want to put out there: um, the top of the Missouri Valley is really, really good again. Oh. Like, I don't know if they're oh, good man. enough to be able to get uh, oh my two bids, but Indiana State can play. Robbie Adams is a lot of fun. Um, and I'm blanking on the kid that went for 27. I'm, um, uh, why am I blanking on his name at Michigan State on Saturday? But they got guards that can really, really fill it up. Drake's always going to be good, um, as long as DeVries is there. And uh, I just want to shout out Southern Illinois because they got the other Xavier Johnson. Uh, everyone knows about the Xavier Johnson in Indiana, but Southern Illinois Xavier Johnson is averaging 25 a game, 25 and five assists a game. So, um, when you have a guard that can go out there and get a bucket, uh, you always have Isaiah Swope? Isaiah, yeah, Swope, Isaiah Swope. Yeah. When you got a good that's his name, that's his name. There you go. When you got a guard that can get your bucket against anybody, you always got a chance to win. Uh and just on Grand Canyon, like we kind of glossed over it a little bit, but Tyon Grant Foster is an sure. NBA player. Like he is 6-8 He is 220. He hits all the NBA shots that you need to be able to hit. Uh, For people that don't know his story, he started at Kansas, transferred to DePaul. First game at DePaul that he played, scored 15 points in the first half. At half sign, he collapses, has to go to the hospital. They revive him. Uh, He doesn't get cleared at DePaul in the 2021-22 season, doesn't get cleared for the 2022-23 season, transfers to Grand Canyon, uh, and now has a chance to be able to kind of showcase what he can do and, and he's doing it and they're having a great year and uh, he's not the only guy that they got there. Um, Ray J. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but they are, they have, they have a whole Ray Harrison. Yeah. Ray Harrison. That's there a kid from Presbyterian, isn't it? Yeah. Why did I want to say, I almost said Ray J Dennis and I was Dennis, like, hey, right. it's not Ray J Dennis. Ray Plus
1: Dennis. nine on the glass for grand Canyon. They're yep. they're They really rebound the basketball. Yep.
2: You really just good. said it.
1: They have power conference caliber talent.
2: Yeah, and, and all of those teams, T.O., you've made this point over and over again, so I'm kind of stealing it from you, but I'm going to keep doing that and keep stealing it from you. That's A funny. lot of these teams at the lower levels have been able to – uh load up on the fifth and sixth year covid guys that are transferring down from the high major ranks that are now 23 and 24 years old and it's mm-hmm. really leveled the playing field like i, I think that the level of playing in college basketball this year just in terms of how good the basketball has been is higher than i can ever remember it being like there are a lot of very good very entertaining games being played and you combine that with the fact that there's no more charges that can be taken we got yeah. a good thing here man this sports it's in a great place right now i think
1: I think the other thing is there's just – this
2: is so terrible grammatically. There's more
1: good players. Yeah. Right? There's just – the sport has grown, and and it continues to grow. And in a sport where – in a sport where shot-making is just so essential to everything, it's not always perfect, okay? But I I do think that the shot-making in college hoops, when you do have older guys, is just going to naturally be better. But I, I don't. I'm not in the class of that. This is just one or two or three years. I think in the climate, um, no longer do you want to be the seventh best on a team or the fourth best on a team. If you could be yeah. number one head honcho, you, you you want that that role because it's a lot more competitive now within these rosters. So the number one guy at Grand Canyon. If he moved on for another school, it's not like he wouldn't have a role at, at a power conference school. It's just there's something to be said about being the number one guy, maybe making some dollars, growing yourself into an NBA player, and oh, by the way, making your name a name for yourself in March. I, I don't think that this will end after last year or this year. I, I think it's gonna continue.
2: Yeah. All right. I, I mentioned Purdue a little bit. Um, and I do want to kind of get your opinion on this because I'm getting very close after seeing the struggles that Arizona had after seeing some of the struggles that I know that they've been injured, but the struggles that UConn has had. um, I'm kind of at the point where I think it's Purdue and then everybody else in college basketball. T.O., am I going too far on that? I just, I think that they're the most complete team at this point. And I think that everybody where, where you have this group of teams that are very, very good. I think Purdue is the only team in college basketball right now that I can look at and I can watch play and I can say, you know when they play their best game i don't know if you can beat them
3: you can't beat them when they play their best game you can't beat them Uh, that's the biggest thing but it's a matter of if they're going to have their best game in a tournament where it's a one game sample size and i think a lot of that has to do with fletcher lawyer because you know what you're getting from edie you know what you're getting from smith lance jones provides something different your force have been good enough it's just uh it it's on that on a given night is Fletcher lawyer going to be able to give you that big game when you need that big game. I'm in agreement with you. I think it's Purdue and everybody else.
2: Vanna. I am
1: in disagreement with you. uh, And that's because I love Purdue, but I don't love them as much as you're saying today uh, because of the formula of their best. So I still get wary If Braden Smith is having an off game now, he's been an all American level player. He's an all American today. There's no question about it. He's going to be an all American as long as this continues, or even if he's solid the rest of the year. But to me, guys, it's Smith, it's lawyer. And after the, the top three for Purdue, I still have my questions. Big picture. Like you said, Terrence, it's not a six game tournament. It's six one game tournaments. Yes. Yes. So the thing is is that their best is unbeatable. But within the formula it they still are a formulaic team. They they're not Yukon of last year by the end of last year where Yukon could win if some if two guys had an off game. Where Caravan or Hawkins or Jackson if one of them was off it It was okay. They could cover that up with depth. So I don't think it's just them and the field. I don't think that they're up and above everybody else. I think the Big Ten will cause them to drop games here in the coming weeks. As we record this podcast, they're at Maryland tonight, and everybody and their mother is going to say Purdue cruises to that win. I can tell you right now, Kevin Willard will have his team ready to play, and I would not be surprised if that was a close game with three minutes on the clock. The Big Ten – the Big Ten is not as good as it's been. It's still very difficult to win on the road in that league. I'm not ready to proclaim Purdue King.
2: Yeah, I I mean, it's difficult to win on the road everywhere. Just look at what happened when Purdue went to Northwestern, who is Northwestern, but they also lost to, um, was it Chicago State they lost to at home? So it's not like they are completely unbeatable. But, you know, Boo is going to go for 31-9 and no turnovers, and you're going to force three turnovers as the team. Kind of is what it is. The the only thing I'll say is this, and and I kind of, Hit on this point a little bit, it's just, I feel like Zach Eady. You, you can kind of pencil them in 24 and 10, no matter what happens, right? You can kind of pencil in 10 fouls to your big guys. I think we know at this point that Braden Smith is going to find a way to get to his, that right-hand pull-up, and is going to hit four or five of them and probably going to end up with 15.6 assists at some point in the game. I think we know that there's going to be somebody else on that floor that is going to step up and find a way to make some shots. And when all of that is happening, I just think it's very, very difficult for anybody to be able to 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 do what they have to do to be able to beat them. Like Northwestern had to needed a damn near perfect game at home to be able to have a, and it still went to overtime, right? So um, that doesn't but guarantee that they're going to win it. Go but if, if I said to you then, Purdue or the field for the title, it's always the field. It's, I mean, it's never not going to be the field for me. You know what? Like you know what I I'm agree saying? With that. It's never I agree not going to be but, the field. I just think that
1: it is what your argument right now is
2: what that they're just firmly the best that I just think that it's not an argument who the best team in college basketball is. doesn't mean you're going to win the national title. I just don't think it's an argument who the best team in the sport is.
1: Well, they deserve to be number one, but um I don't think I don't know. Hans is to me as they're much good. as we criticize them. They're still damn good.
2: Yeah, you know what? It really sucks that we didn't get the Kansas Purdue matchup. Like maybe, do you think that we can get Matt Painter and Bill Self on the horn, TO? Can you call those guys up and just and make yeah. this happen? Can we just get I'll like put, us all I'll put
3: us all in a group chat. Put us all in a group chat.
2: We'll set it up middle of February. But hey, you know what? Let's get it on the field of sixty eight. Who says no? Uh, nobody says no. Nobody Let's do says it in. And- no.
1: Let's we'll do it, run it back
2: last year. Hey, look, last year we were in Greenville for uh, for Furman and Stephen F. Austin this year. Where are we going? We got to find a good spot. No, we got to do Greenville. I just Greenville again. Greenville. No,
3: I'm, I'm less right. than 15 minutes from that arena. We did the show at.
2: All right. Let me uh, let me. Add, Our crew uh, only add, works what? out of there. Yeah. me. Yeah, we only me work, and, we uh, only work
3: out of Bon Secours. Yeah. And Phantom, <laughs> which
2: you you missed. T.O. took us to a pretty fun club later on that night. We were only there for like five minutes. We were there for five minutes. <laughs> the
1: night that then I left early.
2: You know, yeah. hey, you know what? The, it if was Bentley? one of the it was one of the yeah. best power moves I've ever seen anybody pull. I don't know if I've ever told the story, but it was me, to and David Bentley. Shout out to David Bentley. And we walk up and there's a line like all the way down the block. And me and Bentley are like, we're not we're not, what do we do? We're not waiting in this line to go in this club where everybody's 10 years younger than us. And Tio goes, hold on. And he walks up to the front and he says literally three words to the, to the bouncer and just turns around and goes. <laughs> and he got that's us in." I was, I so, I've never been more impressed with anything in my entire life. Tio. You're welcome. You're welcome.
3: I've got a
5: gift. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to say for it. As you
2: guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners, and the viewers on the Field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD. $1,500, and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, Horlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today pivoting the last last time that we saw purdue go out against a a national title contender they pretty much handled an arizona team that came in ranked number one about two weeks ago since then arizona's lost to purdue they lost a double double overtime thriller in las vegas in what was effectively a home game for them to fau and then they went out and they got absolutely smacked by stanford at the same time FAU followed up that win over Arizona with their second quad four loss of the season at dunk city, who had, uh, five wins on the year coming in. Three of them were against non-division ones. Tio, who are you more worried about right now? FAU or Arizona?
3: Uh, I'm not, I'm not really worried about either, either one to be honest with you and FAU bounces back tonight. I think they play East Carolina at home. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about either one. Uh, Arizona I, guys, please explain to me why Stanford stinks. Like, I, right. I don't get it either. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, why are they? Why are they six and six? I, I for the life of me, they, they have talent. Uh, Jared Bynum made a boneheaded play the other day whenever they were playing Arizona State towards the end of the game. You're down three. He drives the lane, gets stuck, and there's nothing going. Uh, then they have they they got guys. Kenan Carlisle is a top fifty kid. Uh, Stoyakovich top 20 kid like why do they stink please help me why do they stink I have an idea I have an idea I'm not going to say it but I have an idea why they stink um I'm not worried about either team truth be told FAU just they're going to get they're going to have some lulls during the season because it it gets to a point sometimes whenever you have so much success the previous year that and you have everybody returning there's a, there's a little bit, and we've seen it time and time again, where it's like, God, just get us through this. Just get us through this. Get me through January. And then we'll start getting excited again, middle of February. And then we'll start really playing. Like, there's there's steps to this. If FAU is going to get in the tournament, they already have enough quality wins. Uh, Arizona is just too good. I, I did say, though, however, I did say that uh, if, if I could get them something to where they would forget everything with this loss and not let things snowball I because that that can happen sometimes especially when you have a lot of are you, are you referring to That's arizona my, or FAU. i'm referring to arizona i'm sorry but whenever you have a couple of things go wrong things can snowball uh, i would be more worried about that if i had to pick the two but overall i'm not really worried about either squad
2: yeah fan of the biggest thing for me with arizona is is the inconsistency of their guard play right like we've seen Caleb Love put up big numbers. There are also times where some of those big numbers come as a result of, uh, I don't want to say he's stat padding at the end of games, but there's a reason why he's getting a lot of shots at the end of games. Right. Um, I don't think that we've seen necessarily the best out of Pella Larson every game. I don't think that we've necessarily seen the best out of Jaden Bradley every every game, but the biggest one I'm concerned about is Kylan Boswell. And those three That's losses true. I just mentioned, he's shooting 25% from the floor. He's averaging 7.7 points and he's three for 19 from three in those three games like he's got to be more consistent and i don't have the quote in front of me but tommy Lloyd kind of went after him in the press conference after the game he basically said and i'm paraphrasing here um our guard play is not good enough right now
3: also they're not defending in their losses they are the other teams averaging 96 points a game is that bad teal that's not great it's not great
2: yeah
1: well and and boswell kylan boswell's the, the guy i zone in on and it's not to pour it on one player. But, Kylan, we know how good you can be. And right now, it's not close to that level. As you just alluded to, 8-for-31 from the floor in the last three games. And I thought it was interesting. The Cal game, now they won the game. He shot 2-for-4 in that game. It's the two surrounding games. 4-for-16 against FAU. Now, now I could spin this and say, Wow. Boswell went four for 16 against FAU. Arizona was in position. They could have won that game. They, they lost the game by one in double overtime. But against Stanford, two for 11 and one for seven from three. And I don't think it was anything that the Cardinal did particularly that other teams haven't tried to do. I think that right now he's just he's searching. He's searching. I, I think a guy sometimes is searching when he comes off a bad game, right? He goes. He goes four for sixteen. Really not not up to speed. Comes back and kind of limits. He plays within himself a little bit. Tries to you know tries to make the easy lay in earlier, but it only takes four shots. Then he comes back the following game. You didn't have this, Terrence. Oh. <laughs> okay. I hope he does not picking up. I'm not picking yeah, I, up. I hope he's not listening live. No. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think that that Stanford in that game. You're exactly right. More than anything. This team, they've got dynamic offensive players, okay? But Caleb Love's never been known for his defense, okay? And Boswell's clearly searching, and so as a result, he's now, when you're searching offensively, do you defend at the same level? No, you don't. So this team has to get back to who they are. And they've got to get back. The reason why they got off to such a great start to the season, you know what they used when they went to Duke and won? They defended. They -hmm. were the tougher team. They were the tougher team early in the season. They've been the tougher team in a lot of games. They were tougher than Wisconsin. They were tougher than Michigan State. People forget Michigan State was right there with Arizona on Thanksgiving. Like right there. And Arizona, in the last four minutes of the game, shut their offense down. Arizona's got to defend a lot better.
2: Yeah, so here's here's my take, and tell me if you guys think that this is crazy. I'm not worried about either of these teams. And, you know, TIO you do a lot of NBA stuff now. You know how they talk about schedule losses in, yes. in the NBA? To me, I feel like both of those were schedule losses. Florida Atlantic, for some reason, went on the road to play an in-state rivalry game in between league play starting, in between – the, like playing that that uh, that Arizona game and having that game be in between Christmas and New Year's when I guarantee that those kids weren't locked in at all. And you could see it with the way the game started. They were down by 13 in the first half at one point. FAU didn't care about that game. There was no motivation for that game. You could kind of see it on the players. They didn't start playing until the second half, and by then uh, it was uh, too little, too late. They let the they let FGCU a little bit of confidence. Arizona, that game came on New Year's Eve. It was the second game of a road trip to the Bay Area. This team was in like the San Francisco area for basically four days after Christmas, heading into new year's, they go out and they absolutely obliterate Cal the second game on that road trip on new year's day. When I guarantee every single one of those dudes is thinking about what they're going to do when they get back to campus to celebrate new year's Eve. uh, They go out against a team that is way too talented to be six and seven. When Arizona is just looking at it as this team is six and seven and they go out, they don't show up in the first half. Um, They let and Carlisle get, he had 28, um, and they let him get going in the, uh, in the first half. I think at one point they were up by 16 in the first half. And it just – they let it – again, you let a team get confidence. You let them start playing well. You're not playing your best. You're not locked in. It's very hard to turn it on. I'm not worried about either of those teams because I don't think that they're going to be in a position where they're not going to actually show up moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes sense.
1: It makes sense. And it also – you're absolutely right, Terrence. FAU, when you're coming off that type of a high – that they had, it's hard to do it every game. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do it every game. I even thought of that when you were breaking down Furman. When you come off such a great high of winning an NCAA tournament game, it's hard to get up every game, especially when at the end of the day it comes down to one week in March. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Hey, another Uh, thing, too, you were talking about, well, Boswell's searching for offense. There's other guys that are in that same boat. There's a kid for Furman, Alex Williams, who had had a couple of games. He was averaging like 26 a game over a three-game span. He goes 0 for seven in the subsequent game, and then the rest of his game starts to deteriorate. Like I I wish I would have learned this earlier in my life. Besides, like the last two, like the last two seasons I was playing. Like if you're struggling shooting the ball, or you're struggling to find offense, focus on everything else, and that stuff will find itself. Like Mm -hmm. if if that's not the focus of your, uh, if that's not the focus of your game then it, it, it kind of happens organically. Alex Williams is struggling with that. Boswell obviously struggling with that a little bit. Did you do uh, that?
1: Did, huh? you, did you do that? As I ago? got
3: older, as I got older, I did. When I was in college, it was like, shit, man, I just got to find a way to get more shots up. Now, like when I was – my last two seasons, it was like I have to find the other things.
2: Yeah, it's that veteran mindset, man. Um, yeah, it is. I got a hot take for you guys. I think Gonzaga is in very real trouble of missing the NCAA tournament this year. I'm um, really yeah, I think it I think it's there's a very real possibility that that they are on the wrong side of the bubble when we look up. Look, they have no bad losses this season. I'm to willingly uh concede that point. They're 0-4 against quad one, they're 8-0 against everybody else in college basketball. But those big wins that they got aren't very big wins when you look at the metrics in the net right now. Syracuse is 78th in the net, that's a quad two win. UCLA is 144th in the net, that's a quad yeah, three good. win. Uh USC. Uh, They are 91st in the net. That's a quad two win. Um, They lost at Washington. They lost to UConn. They lost to San Diego State at home, and they lost to Purdue. So if you look at where their numbers are right now, they're 57th in the net. Where are they going to pick up these big wins, right? San Francisco looks great in the net. I don't know if that's something that's going to continue. Uh, despite being eight and six, St. Mary's is still top 50-ish in the net. I don't know how long that's going to last once you start playing some of these league games. They got a game at Kentucky on February 10th that I think they probably have to win if they really want to find themselves in a position to be able to be an at-large team. Is that is that crazy? Am I am I reading too much into this? I don't think
3: so. I, I, I don't think there's going to be an issue with them getting in the tournament as long as there's not an absolute uh, shitting of the bed. Uh, in conference play, because I, I do think that Gonzaga has gotten to the point to where they're almost like Michigan State. Like if there's, if it's close, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Probably. So yeah. that would be kind of my only, you know, pushback on that.
1: Yeah, I I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I don't think you're going too far on your take, Rob. Uh, but yeah. because they really have struggled, and it's the first time in what feels like forever. Uh, I tweeted this on, on Friday night watching them play San Diego State. It's the first time in a while where, where I'm watching them again, and I'm like, wow, they don't have enough. They, yeah. they don't have enough as some of these other teams. Even even good teams, good good teams that aren't top 15 teams. Sometimes you'll say they have enough on their best day, but it's about getting to that best day. Gonzaga, they don't feel poorly coached. They feel well coached. Mark Few's always going to have them coached up. It doesn't feel like they have enough at the two, three, four. It doesn't feel like they have enough shot making off of Ryan Nembhard. And Anton Watson's having a good year, but if he's your best guy at times, I, I don't know how, how that's a formula. Who's their pro? Like, that's it. Who's their pro? That's it. You know, they, they haven't missed the NCAA tournament. Holy crap. Since is it 1998?
2: Yeah. Yep. Since before the elite, it lost to Yukon.
1: I mean, that's insane, but yeah, I I think they'll get the benefit of the doubt, but you're right. They just don't have enough pro talent on that team where, you know what happens when you don't have enough, when you don't, when you're not loaded with firepower, like they could walk into these arenas in the WCC and just out-talent people
2: for, for a good I don't, Well, that's the thing. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case this year. Like, you're going to walk into Santa Clara it's and you're going to do have a dog fight this year. And I don't think there's it's something where you'd be shocked to see Gonzaga lose on the road at Santa Clara. I don't think you'd be shocked to see them lose to even to San Francisco at home. You know, I don't think you'd be shocked and, to see them lose to Loyola Marymount. There's some good teams in that conference.
1: And, Rob, they've done that before, but they had the non-conference results to mask it. Mm-hmm. Now they do not, and that's why if you look at bracketologies today, they're slotted in like an eight nine game. Yeah, our Did
3: buddy I think eight game. I think that's where they need to be. Eight nine, maybe ten, like they'll get in, but it's going to be, like, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm with so, you, Rob. There's just not enough. Like you're absolutely right. I, I the, uh, the the Dusty Stromer kid. I saw him play quite a bit whenever he was on the circuit, and I was like, he's okay, and it just didn't seem like a Gonzaga type talented guy that's kind of where I, i'm at with these guys and pronounce the last the, the last name of the big Ike ek ek E-K. E-K. ek yeah hey, like he's fine he's not like a program changing talent like drew timmy or chet Holt. like they're just fine the the team is just fine
4: yeah. and the, 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 the way it's set is- up
3: for them and the in their tournament is the fact that like they only have to win two games to win their tournament if they take care of business in the regular season. So it's, it's geared for them to be fine. They're just okay this year.
2: Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. I just, I think that they're a lot closer to uh, being on the bubble than people realize they're probably going to get in because they'll just figure it out. and Like Mark few is going to do Mark few stuff, but um, I think it's a, I don't want to say like it's 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 the least impressive Gonzaga team that I can remember since I've been covering college basketball like this, and I don't think that that's necessarily a hot take. Um, I do want to hit on the Big East a little bit. Uh, we can talk some Marquette Creighton, but I think it's much more interesting to get into the budding rivalry between Dan Hurley and Rick Pitino. Uh, there's there's a lot of angst there. Um, there was a lot. I, I think that uh, we've seen them kind of sniping. Back and forth in the media, Rick Patino came out and said that they're going to play every game at Madison Square Garden except for UConn, which are going to play at Carneseca Arena. And then Dan Hurley came out and basically said, well, that's just everyone's trying to come get what we have. Uh, I think that you have, I don't know if you would call Hurley a brash young newcomer, but he's definitely brash, and he's definitely a newcomer compared to Rick Patino. whereas Rick Patino is He's like, new he in the National respect-
3: Championship Coaches Club.
2: Yeah, he is. And I don't know if Rick Bettino necessarily likes that he's coming in. And I will say this, uh, having two native New Yorkers, and I am going to call Hurley a native New Yorker. Jersey city is effectively New York when it comes to the personality of the people that live there Uh, and having them kind of snipe back and forth in the big, would
3: people be upset with that statement?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Just curious. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: The, the New York Jersey mindset, the tri-state area mindset, let's call it that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Thank you. The people of Jersey city. Demand more respect. St. Peter's University is not in New York.
2: Yeah, okay, you're right. But it's the same kind of mind. It's the same. You're If you're from Jersey City or you're from New York City, you're the same dude, right? You just happen to have been born in a different zip code. Either way, uh, I do think it is a lot of fun watching these two go back and forth. And I hope, hope, hope that over the course of the next three or four years, this turns UConn St. John's into the kind of rivalry that UConn St. John's should be. If those two coaches hate each other, those are two big personalities, Fanta
1: they are they they absolutely are Dan Hurley's coming off the national title he's at Connecticut UConn has a their a blue blood program and so they're allowed to feel what they want to feel they're allowed to say what they want to say you can talk you could talk a big talk when you've walked and guess what they did more than walk they dominated last April they won their fifth national championship since 1999. they've earned the right to do all the talking they want. Having said this, on December 23rd, the Saturday night game between UConn and St. John's in Hartford, Rick Pitino, who's now back in the Big East, new to the Big East, to this version of the Big East, he didn't like the idea that in a a continual war with the officials, coaches are going to battle with the officials throughout games. Pitino didn't understand how he's in his first year at St. John's and this guy on the other side is, is, is basically running ship in this game. And you could sense that Patino had issue with Hurley's Hurleyisms that happened throughout the course of games. Dan Hurley is worth the price of a single camera feed on him in a corner. He's all over the place during games. The jacket will fly off, it'll come back on. He races up in the air. He does all kinds of things. He's got this going on. He's going to the crowd. The point? Yeah, he's got the angry faces. Well, Patino took issue with it being a a 71-year-old man who's won national championships, been to, what, seven Final Fours. This guy has seen it all. He got pissed. They're both not happy with each other. Patino says in the press he knows exactly what he's doing, folks. No, he's not scared. He's Rick Patino. The guy literally was on a milk carton on the news for all tons of negative press for years. He ain't scared of shit. He's seen it all. So, But he says, we're going to play UConn at Karnaseka Arena. Fully damn knowing that Madison Square Garden went, that's a game for us to make money on. We make a gate. What the hell? You're playing it? No, he knows exactly what he's saying. Now, we'll see how this situation evolves. I'd be very shocked if if UConn, in fact, is playing at Karnaseka next year. There's going to be cooler heads that prevail and business people that fly in and say, We aren't doing that. We make a gate at St. John's. Also, the Big East isn't going to have a lower-profile game played on the campus of St. John's. They're going to play that game at Madison Square Garden. But this rivalry is great. It's not good. It's great. It's shades of the 1980s. You have two coaches. This is like Calhoun and Patino back in the day, right? Or Beheim and somebody else back in the day. This is Karnaseka, Thompson BS. This is, I think it's all in good fun. It's great fodder. And when St. John's and UConn meet February 3rd, February 3rd in Madison Square Garden, there's going to be some juice inside that building. On back to Saturdays in the Big East, you'll have Ed Cooley's return to Providence, which we'll be at. And then the following Saturday, you're going to have Patino and Hurley meet again. And I don't know if they're going to shake hands. We're going to find out. St. John's, interesting to see what that game will mean February 3rd. If you look at any bracketology right now, they're basically first four to eight if not 10 out, they're right around there. Can they make a move to make it interesting in February and be on the bubble? That would be an interesting storyline.
2: Here's here's the one thing that I will say is you you kind of said like it's all in good fun, right? I think that there's actually legitimate dislike there. Um there is. I love, I there love, is. I love Dan Herbie. I love the way that he coaches, I love his mindset. He is really tapped into the way that UConn fans kind of view themselves as better than everybody else. Right. And I mean that respect. Like, look, I'm a, I'm a, I am a UConn fan. Okay. But UConn fans can kind of view themselves as a little bit holier than now. And what, what was the line that, uh, that Ed Cooley had, it was, uh, arrogant and, um, he said something in the press. I can't remember what it was. It was arrogant and something else, but I don't, uh, Arrogant and entitled, something like that. But it's actually true. Like when, you, when you've when you seen five national championships in 25 years on the men's side and what 11 national championships in like 25 years on the women's side, you start to carry yourself a certain way. And Hurley has really, really embraced that. And I think that that rubs people the wrong way. And when you are Rick Patino and you're walking into a building and you don't have a coach kind of being like, oh, wow, look at that. That's Rick Patino over there. I'm coaching against Rick Patino, Oh, shucks. Look at that. Uh, I think that that kind of bothers him, and then when you see early do his <laughs> early stuff on the sideline, and you're Patino, and you're like, "Fuck this dude!" I think that there's actual dislike between those two guys, and uh, I honestly think that that is a great thing. Tia, what are you saying? I, I think it's a great thing for the Big East. I think it's a great thing for the sport. Let them hate each other. This is going to be we, awesome. We talked about
3: McNeese State earlier today. What if what if we added one more coach to the Big East next year? Fire me up, boys! Fire me up. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, no, I look. <sighs> I mean, who couldn't see this coming?
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, like, here's it, it's legitimate dislike. It is. I didn't mean it like it's all in good fun. It's not. These two don't like each other. It's all in good fun for us. This is awesome. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah.
3: It's awesome. No, it, it, look, if you think ego isn't a massive part of what Patino does, you're lying to yourself. It absolutely is. And I think the fact that the ego met the ego, and there's some egos in that league, but those two, Hurley coming fresh off a national championship, wearing his hat backwards at Peach Jam, feeling real cute about himself here (laughs) lately. Like, And then he meets Patino, whose ego never leaves. And here's the deal. I I don't want people to misconstrue that as, like, I'm saying it's a bad thing. You have to have it in order to be successful in whatever you do. Like, to say I don't have an ego would be nuts. To say Fanta doesn't have an ego would be nuts. Uh, Rob's ego, if his head got any bigger, he wouldn't fit in the Zoom screen. So, (laughs) like, if we were able to, like, I don't say it as a – bad thing i say it as a complimentary thing but whenever you have two billy goats on the side of a cliff somebody's going somebody's going to have power of that cliff and those billy goats are going to run head to head so that's kind of where i'm at with these two like they're going to clash and and there's going to be more clashes throughout the course of this big east basketball season all
2: right Tio, here's what we're going to do take number two i need i need another comparison you billy goats what else you got i know you got something else in there
3: all right, no, you want another Billy? Like, no, they're Billy goats. Yeah, they're give me old, another one. They're old stuff. He wants right another one. comparison. Give
2: me another, another comparison uh, between the other two. Yeah.
3: God, shit, shit, I don't know. I, I'll find some. You can't just pop that on me, Rob. You gotta, you gotta have me <laughs> going. There's there are two Theater. Billy goats on the side of a. Cre- you ever seen these Billy goats that get up on 2 their two yeah. back legs, and then they whack. That's those two. Yeah. That's those two. Yeah. yeah. No, you're. 100% I'm excited. Right. I'm just.
1: De- no, no, it's gonna amazing. be great. I can't. I mean now the egos the personalities you know it's it's the, the that big East race is gonna now with clinging out as well that kind of creates a different dimension to it and yes. so it's gonna be you just know that league's gonna pick up pick up hype as the big East tournament rolls around and you know after a bit of a up and down start to the season uh right now they're looking at I'd say five tournament teams, and then we'll see what happens on the bubble watch. I think it's six. They, they six. I think they'll get six. I think they'll get six.
2: Yeah. So give me Villanova, Providence, Marquette, UConn, and Creighton all dancing. Yes. Right? And I think one of St. John's or Butler will be good enough to get there. Honestly, like if you look at what St. John's has done so far this year, here's who they beat. They beat North Texas, which is going to go down as a good win. They beat Utah, which is going to go down as a quad one win. They've Excellent. won at West Virginia, which is going to go down as a quad two win. They got losses. Michigan at home, which might not look very good by the end of the year, but it wasn't bad when. It God, happened. they suck. Yeah, Dayton on a neutral, Boston College on a neutral, UConn on the road. Oh. If you get to ten wins, which is very doable for Saint John's in the Big East, and you pick off one of the big boys, they're dancing. It's Rick wait a Pacino. minute, they're going to hold on, on a
1: second. I was told in ten days into the season, got in a huge argument on this show in a hotel room when I said, "Ease up." Hold on, give it some time. Let's not let's not call off the dogs. If there's six teams that make it, I demand an apology.
2: Yes. How many I teams do you think are going to make shit. it from the ACC? Hey, Tio, uh, what happened to what happened to? Uh, okay, UVA on Saturday.
1: I wasn't huh? going to bury the ACC. No, the I just want pro-
2: no. I just I wasn't. It was New Year's Eve. I wasn't really paying attention on the on the thirtieth, like that weekend. I just wasn't locked in this weekend. What happened to UVA? Just yeah, happened to know. see the score over the weekend. I,
3: yeah, they, dude, Notre Dame. Body
2: bagged them. I don't oh. know what's going on. Notre Dame beat him. What happened to Florida State?
3: All right, Florida State's never been a part of the conversation. I don't even know why you're up. Uh,
2: okay, so there's three teams. There's three teams at the bottom of the ACC. They're just not part of the conversation. There's only that's two what teams I've been, been
3: the... saying all year. There's three. There's teams only two teams in of the, of the ACC East that are not part of the, part of the, that's the conversation. That's what I've been mm-hmm. saying, Rob. I've said mm-hmm. that all year. There's three teams at the bottom of the league that don't that aren't a part of the conversation. I've said
1: that. Wait all a minute, year. though. Hey, hey, hey. Tio,
2: has the Paul beaten anybody that's that's projected to win? the big East by 22 points.
1: Okay. <laughs> Rob.
3: Also, was getting mad at me now. <laughs> I'm not yeah, getting but wait I'm a I'm minute, just, I don't, I don't have the backup right now. So I don't, parents, I am not gonna, stuff up.
1: <laughs> I'll back you up. Wake forest. Yes. Wake forest is a dark horse. They need to, they could use a win at Boston college. I like them. The top of this league is very good. Duke's getting better guys. Duke gets better by the week. Clemson's you all know what I think about Clemson. Um, you know, it's tough for Virginia. But but th- this league will will hang in and can get five teams. Um, they they can. You know Virginia Tech is is. I'm not ready to write them away. And, and Wake Forest BC. The winner's going to be ten and three. And guys, don't sleep on Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh to knock off North Carolina. Ooh. There I said it. There's a there's a tasty pick for you. So see Terrence, I am trying to back you up. And I would say this. I was you were two on one. So here's the deal, Rob. You were talking down the Big East in week two of the season as well. But the thing was, the thing was, everybody was saying it in relation. We all thought this was going to be like five teams in the top 20. Okay? Now, the AP poll screwed up as it is, yeah, right? Yeah. That makes, they need to reevaluate who they give those to. Yeah, we got to stop looking at the rankings and then equivocating that to how, to how great we think something is. Like the Mountain West is better than – what the rankings would indicate. It's all branded. My point is I think the big East, just because some of the teams in it weren't as great as we thought they would be. Doesn't mean they went from that level to not even making the NCAA tournament. See what I mean? I think that this league is going to have a couple of top tier seeds in Marquette and Yukon. To me, guys, Creighton's curious, you know, they're zero and two in the big East for the first time in nine years. How does Creighton respond? They're, talk about it. If I could have one transfer go back to a school and they would both agree on it, it'd be Ryan Nemhard going back to Creighton. Because Nemhard at Gonzaga, good player. Nemhard tasted the Elite Eight at Creighton. He ain't going to taste the Elite Eight this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Grass isn't always greener, but the Big East is in a good place. I'll tell you what, Thab Mata, I give him an immense amount of credit. His Butler team is much better. Yes. Much better. They should have won at Providence.
3: They were right. Up- what did Posh Alexander? What did Posh Alexander say? Uh golly.
2: No, Thad Thad came out in the press and said uh said Posh Alexander didn't know how to play help defense when he got here. I
1: believe that 100 percent So Posh told Thad that he did not watch film at St. John's.
3: I believe that too. I believe that too. Mm-hmm. He is he he's been all instincts for how however many years he's been there. And hey, did you see
2: been- did you see what he did to Bryce Hopkins when he hit him with a sham god in uh in no. Providence? He hit Bryce Hopkins with a sham god and had a dime to uh who was the I don't want to throw the big guy under the bus, but he threw it to one of his big guys, Andre Screen who smoked the layup? TO. He hit Bryce with a sham god. Oh, Bryce Tom. goes off. Bryce is off in uh he's already on Federal Hill. He's he's, his, he's at his dinner reservation after this move. And then he hits him with this little no-look like this. And the dude smoked the layup. And I've never like I was mad for Posh. I was I was ready to cuss this dude out. How do you can't miss that layup? He just hit him with a sham god in the building that God sham god built. And you miss the layup. What are we doing here, man? Come do you
3: think? Do you think that uh, he put two and two together? Like I'm going to do the Sham God in the Sham God house.
2: One, absolutely, one hundred percent. No shot.
3: One hundred percent.
2: Do you think he knows who God Sham God is, or do you think he just assumed? I do
3: think he knows, he knows who God Sham God is.
2: Is it, Sham God's a New York City kid? That's what I'm saying. Posh is a New York City kid. I'm That's telling I'm you, he knew it. I'm, I guarantee he thought about that heading in. I
3: home. just don't think. I, I think Posh is. I don't think Posh is necessarily a thinker. I think he's an instinctual guy. I think he just does stuff. LaMelo <laughs> L- L- Ball is the same way for what it's No, says. I know. Look, it, I'm, just, a th- I'm th- laughing because I could
2: clip, clip that a certain way <laughs> and make it sound really bad for you <laughs> when yeah, you're I actually just do complimenting the dude in the way that he plays.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's not a thinker. He's a doer.
2: Um, I have... Uh, I have other things I've written down. Um, we'll save them for another another episode. I wanted to talk about how good the Mountain West is. Uh, if you go check the Mountain West Insider podcast, I'm going to be recording that um, tomorrow, breaking down the top of that league and just how good it actually is with a actual Mountain West Insider, 2BD. Uh, and then... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about my concerns with Marquette Big Picture, uh, but we discussed that on Saturday nights after dark. You can find that YouTube clip on the Field of Sixty Eight YouTube channel. So uh, I'm not going to bore these guys by repeating. Hey, I got that. two. I got
3: two good Mountain West games next week. Who you got? I got Utah State at New Mexico on the 16th, and then or not next week, two weeks from today, and then on the 24th, I'm on Colorado State at Nevada.
2: Oh, that'll be a good one, man. That'll be a good on be... Hey, one. Hey, you know 16th? who you're going to love, yo, You are going to love Keenan Blackshear. I'm fired up. You're going to love seeing him play.
1: What's the second game? Nevada. Colorado
2: State at Nevada.
1: Terrific game. Terrific wow. game. And it's 16th. Are you on FS1?
3: Uh, I can tell you. I think so. Why? Yeah, you're
1: on. We're, we are the game before you. So Are you? The, uh, we got St. John's at Seton Hall. So from Newark to so where's your game?
3: To uh it'll be in Albuquerque. Wow. On the 16th or the 24th? 16th. Yeah, I'll be in Albuquerque.
2: You're gonna be at the pit, man. Have you ever been to the pit before? I've never been to the pit. I'm excited. Wow. <laughs> that that is a bucket list. You mean me. hey, New Mexico State, as we're recording this, New Mexico State is playing Colorado State in exactly six hours and 17 minutes in Can't a battle wait. Of, no, not money? New Mexico State, New Mexico. New, yeah, what'd I say? Colorado State, New Mexico.
3: No, you said New Mexico, New Mexico State, Colorado State. Great game.
2: Yeah, New Mexico, Colorado State first, the first game of the Mountain West season might be the game that determines who wins the Mountain West regular season title. I'm fired up for that one. That'll be a good one. A lot of guard talent on display there. But listen, guys, this has been fun. This has been the DTF podcast. Uh rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that make us happy as podcasters. And uh, you know, go follow Terrence Oglesby on Twitter. He's he's gotten up to about twelve thousand now, right? But he's not oh. quite me and Fanta are kind of blown away, and he's very blown me away about it. Yeah.
3: I get tired of man every I get tired of every time there's freaking everybody puts a tweet out man to, like and I'm attached to it a lot of nonsense hitting that like button and it's not real like it's weird isn't it yeah yeah all,
2: yeah. Twitter's it's taking brutal. a
3: dive man brutal I'm sorry
2: it's, true. it's always I wake up every morning and when I'll check my notifications on Twitter I'll have like 15 random likes from bot accounts from tweets that are like eight years old yeah, yeah it's uh it's, I, it's
3: i'm I, and i'll be honest with you i'm scared to check my twitter when i wake up in the morning my wife's beside me
2: Oh, my wife understands that there's the, the it's the spam account yeah my
3: wife does too in theory until she sees something on my phone and then i just have to <laughs> then i have to start off for a bad day yeah. not doing it so i don't even check i i, I have dramatically decreased my twitter usage and i and i probably should be better at. but i, I get tired of that. That, should- that that needs to be fixed it, it's, you should oh, see it's
1: david I... bentley's replies oh david hey you ought to see him
2: oh fanta's making this editing job so difficult for me
1: today that's very appropriate that wasn't we, can we,
2: can we can't give bentley a shout out shout Come out on, to david bentley. david shout out to john fanta shout out to terrence oglesby uh and shout out to rick patino versus dan hurley the greatest rivalry of our generation this has been the dtf podcast